Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. Good to see you today. I'll admit that I'm a, I'm a bit tired of my body, so bear with me. But I know that the Lord is, is my help and that he is my strength. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we'll be reading verses 23 through 28. It would seem that, well, we always are, we just may not be always aware of it, but we are engaged in spiritual warfare. Um, just uh, prior to me uh, working on this message, uh, my, my children uh, became ill, and it's kind of thrown a monkey wrench in kind of the plans and the way that we're going to do things, but God is still going to have his way anyhow. I'm not going to give him any glory for what uh, God is going to do today. And so I, I, I really am at a loss for words. Uh, the message that I'm going to be preaching you today is kind of, it's a continuation of what I preached the last time. Um, ever since I think the spring, the Lord has been dealing with me on a series of subjects that seem to be tied together. Uh, in the month of May, I preached a, uh, the beginning of May, I preached a message called, What's Your Excuse? Uh, and in that, I dealt with the excuses that people use to uh, basically justify sinful behavior, and so they do not have to have a relationship with God. About two or three weeks ago, I preached a message called The Spirit of Truth, talking about how we live in an age of deception and that it is imperative that we have the Holy Spirit to discern, and we need the Holy Spirit to be involved to convict us of sin. This message, I guess you could say, is like a part three to this, and the subject I'm going to be talking to you about, I mean, you've kind of heard this a little bit in the other messages, but this is my theme for the rest of the year. This, this, the, when the Lord gave me this, this is my theme. This is what I'm, I, I believe is the word that needs to be preached this hour. I cannot say this any stronger, that we need to understand what I'm about to preach about today. It is imperative that we grasp this, that we internalize it, and that we apply it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, if you're there, say amen. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. I want to read verses 24 and 25 again, because from there I'll be primarily taking my thought today. Which simply says this, and when he had given thanks, he break it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Today the title of my message is, is called, Do You Remember? Do you remember? I, I'm, I'm at a loss. I'm going to do my best not to lose my composure up here because the thought of this message, it makes me tremble. It, it makes me tremble at the thought of what I'm about to preach you today because this is the epitome of what the whole Christian life is about. And if we, we don't grasp this, we are going to go to hell. I'm just going to be quite honest with you. I'll be just forthright with you. We will go straight down to the lake of fire unless we grasp what I'm about to preach to you today. And so I, I, I really want to enlist the help of the Holy Spirit. I honestly do not want enticing words or man's wisdom. I do not desire just to give you a good speech or just to make you feel good. I, I, I have a mandate from heaven today to reach someone with this gospel. Somebody needs to be saved. Someone needs to grasp this. And the church needs to have its eyes turned back onto Jesus fully and completely. And so let us go to the Lord in prayer. Let us ask for his help. Father, Father, I thank you so much. Father, thank you for choosing a wretch like me. Lord, to even speak your name. 
Father, even to stand before this congregation to preach your word. Thank you for the privilege. Thank you for loving us. Even, Lord God, we are so unworthy and we are so undeserving of that love. So undeserving even to take the next breath of air that we take. Father, I pray, I plead, I beseech thee, God, have your way. Move through me. Use me only as you can. I yield myself to you fully and completely. Have your way. Let all that hear my voice hear yours. Let them see Christ in him crucified. May the radiance of your glory shine this place and dispel the darkness of Satan. Remove the shackles and the chains that he has put over His peop- over our people. God, that our eyes would be opened. Open the eyes of our heart that we would see you, God, see you fully and completely, that we would repent and change and turn our hearts from our wicked ways unto you fully. Have your way in this place. Father, I give you the glory and I give you the praise. I give you the thanks today and in Jesus' name, let the church of the living God say amen. You may be seated. This message came out of a period of chastisement. The Lord has been chastening me over this season in regards to this word. And it shook me to my core. And I hope it does the same to you. If you have Exodus chapter 20, go to Exodus chapter 20 and read verse 1. We're just starting from verse number 1. Exodus chapter 20, verse number 1. I need to give some context here. That this is the story in which Moses is giving commandments to the children of Israel. You know the the story of the Exodus that God delivered the the Israelites from the Egyptians with a mighty hand, doing many wonderful works and miracles, uh, turning the river Nile into blood and causing it to be dark upon the land, killing all the livestock, the plague of locusts and flies, the plague of boils, the the plague of, of course, the killing of the firstborn, and all the other things, turning apart of the Red Sea and making bread rain from the sky and meat come from the sky and quail and causing waters to come from a rock to, to, to quench the thirst of an entire nation. And now Moses is doing something very unique. He is giving them instructions on how God wants them to live. That after God had delivered the Israelites from the Egyptians, performing many memorable miracles, in the process, he then gives them instructions on how they are to have a relationship with himself. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God. Now I want you to pay close attention to what he says here. I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. God pointed out the fact that it was he who delivered this this nation out of the hands of the Egyptian. It was God. It was Yahweh alone that brought them out of bondage and brought them out of slavery and did it with a powerful manifestation of his glory. Because of this, as well as many other factors, they were not supposed to worship any other gods, nor make any idols. And God reemphasizes this point again. Look at verse number 23. Verse number 23 of Exodus chapter 20. Ye shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall ye make unto you gods of gold. Now, however, not long after God gave these instructions, the people just completely disregarded everything he said. He said, hey, don't worship any other gods except me. Don't make any graven images. Don't make any idols. He even says even what materials they're not supposed to make the idols out of. Don't make them out of silver. Don't make them out of gold. Right? Now look at Exodus 32 verse 1. Go to Exodus chapter 32 verse 1. This is going to be a little bit of a teaching message. I'll just forewarn you. This is almost like, I like to call this an airplane message. You ever get on an airplane and you're like sitting on the runway? And it seems like forever and you're just taxing. And it's like real slow. And all of a sudden, there's this burst of acceleration. You just take up and you're just off in the, in the heavens. This message is going to be kind of like that. So right now, we're sitting on the, on the runway. And we're kind of taxing. But just wait. It's going to accelerate very quickly. <laughs> Exodus 32 verse 1 says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods 
which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. And Herod said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand, and fashioned it with a graving tool, after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Now, wait a minute. Just a minute earlier, God said, don't worship any other idols. Don't worship idols. Don't make any graven images. Don't make them of gold. As soon as Moses goes away, they get gold. They make a graven image. And they say, this is, what, who, this is the guy that got us out of Egypt. When God says, I am the Lord that brought you out of Egypt. Just in a very short period of time, they went from, oh, yes, Yahweh, you're the only God. We'll serve you alone. We'll make a covenant with you to completely even forgetting that God did anything. So God looked at the Israelites and said, you know what? Y'all got a memory problem. You seem to forget very quickly. You know, I turn the river Nile to blood. I rain bread out of the sky. I make water come out of a rock. I do all this stuff. I part the Red Sea. I've got a pillar of fire in front of you all the time. There's a pillar of cloud over here. What else do you need to, hey, remember that I'm the God that delivered you? Right? As soon as Moses goes away, let's make, this, let's make a golden calf. And this worshiper said, this is the this is golden calf. This is what brought us out of Egypt. So... God was kind of like, like, what's up with that? How could the children of Israel blatantly deny God's involvement in their deliverance and give the credit to an idol? Moses gives us this reason. Look at uh, Deuteronomy 32, Deuteronomy 32, verse 16 through 18. Bear with me here. I'm going somewhere with this. Deuteronomy 32, verse 16. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God. To gods whom they knew not. To new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of that rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful and hast forgotten God that formed thee. The nation of Israel, and I'd have to say all of humanity, we have a memory problem. And we easily forget that God exists and the things that God does for us. There are constant, we constantly just easily forget. The moment a crisis comes, even though God delivered you just yesterday, God just paid your bills, just healed your body. The next crisis, oh, where's God? How am I going to get out of this? And God's like, don't you remember? Do you remember me at all? Do you know who I am? Whatever I've done through the course of your life. But no, we quickly forget. We quickly forget what is going on. So Moses said they forgot. They forgot God. The Hebrew word there for forgot is shakak, which means forget, forgotten at all, to forget, to ignore, to cease to care. So Moses says that the people of Israel forgot that it was Yahweh who saved them and delivered them. And when they forgot God, they immediately, as soon as they forgot, the very first thing they did was create images and idols to worship and indulge in sin. To combat this amnesia, it's like you guys seem to forget who I am and forget what I told you. I'm going to constantly remind you. I'm going to put little forget-me-nots and little things all around you so you don't forget that it was me who did this. I'm your God, and you're supposed to serve me alone. He made all these laws to make sure they would not forget him. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 23 says this, Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. Deuteronomy 8 verse 11 says this, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. He keeps saying, don't forget. Hey, don't forget. Don't forget I'm God. Don't forget what I've done for you. Don't forget what I've told you. Now, for those of you that are parents, you understand this better than anyone else. You just tell your child, hey, I want you to go clean up your room before dinner. And you come in there and not heard a word you said. Hey, what did I say? Hey, what did I say? What did I say? Uh, you, you, um, I don't know, what, what were you talking about? See, we understand this because we're used to telling children, telling people, hey, do this. I want you to go to the bathroom. I want you to brush your teeth. Then I want you to put on your pajamas. Then I want you to go to sleep. And there's, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Well, what did you say? We constantly have to be reminded. We have to be told again. So God is saying, hey, don't forget this. Don't forget what I'm about to tell you. Hey, you paying attention? Listen to this. Remember this. 
Deuteronomy 8, 17 says, And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God, and walk after the other gods, and serve him, and worship them, I testify against you this day, that ye shall surely perish. I have to tell my children this all the time. If you forget what I told you, you're going to get it. Right? Look, don't do this. Don't don't touch it. Don't mess with it. Remember what I said. Right? But no, no, we just, I don't know. I was listening. I wasn't paying attention. What would you say, huh? You know, that's what we constantly go, uh, find ourselves in. So God had to design the entire culture. He had to completely just renovate, just completely uh, change the entire culture and design it so that they would not forget who he is and who they are. Literally, every aspect of their culture, of their lives, were reminders that Yahweh was their God and that they were not to act like the other nations. From the way that they dressed, from the holidays they celebrated, from the food they ate, from how they planted their crops, from how they were supposed to make their clothes. Everything God said, I want you to do this as a reminder of what I have done for you and who I am and who you are. You are not like the other nations. I have called you out of darkness. I have called you into my marvelous light. I have ordained you and appointed you to be one of mine. So I'm going to give you something to remind you who you are. Numbers 15.37 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they may make fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord, and do them, and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which you used to go a-whoring. So God was constantly reminding them. He was saying, Look, I want you to get really serious about this. Because I don't want you to forget because you guys forget so easily. So he said, I want you guys to even take my word and write them on the doorposts of your houses. Write them on the gates. Talk with your children day and night about it. Teach your generations about everything I've said. Because I don't want you to forget that I am God and that there is nobody else. All of the laws that God created and reminders he gave them were designed to help them remember one thing in particular about himself and turn and in turn about themselves. There was one thing that God, above all the other things, that God wanted them to remember. There was one thing in particular he really wanted them to remember about himself and also about themselves. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 11, verse 43. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 43 says, You shall not make yourselves abominable, abominable with any creeping thing that creepeth, neither shall ye make yourselves unclean with them, that you should be defiled thereby. For I am the Lord your God, ye shall therefore sanctify that yourselves and ye shall be holy for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy for I am holy. The one thing above everything else that God was trying to get across to his people was that he is holy. Numbers 15, verse 40. Numbers 15, verse 40. That ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. Why holiness? Holiness, it literally means, comes from the Hebrew word Kadesh. It means to be set apart. It means to be unique, to be distinct, to be consecrated and dedicated to something of great value. And God said, when I called you out, I didn't call you out just for no reason, just to occupy space. But I called you because I've got a divine purpose. And in order to fulfill your mandate and your divine purpose, I've got to put guardrails to remind you of what your purpose is. So from the way you dress, the way you eat, the holidays you celebrate, how you plant your crops, everything you do is to remind you that you are holy and that I am holy. That you're to be holy even as I am holy. The way that we are to remember is through holiness. Holiness is the basis for every law that God created because holiness, as I said before, means to be set apart, to be unique and distinct, which makes it memorable and harder to forget. When something is distinct and unique, it's easier to remember. 
So God gave them all this stuff so they could remember we don't worship like the other nations do. We don't dress like the other nations do. We don't behave like the other nations do. We don't talk like the other nations do. Why? Because our God is holy. And because he is holy, I am to be holy. Everything that God did is a direct reflection of his character in regards to holiness. That he reigns in holiness. Psalm 47 verse 8 says, God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. He speaks through holiness. Psalm 60 verse 6 says, God has spoken in his holiness. I rejoice, I will divide Shechem and meet out the valley of Succoth. The Bible says that God dwells in holiness. Psalm 93 verse 5 says, thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. Are you seeing a reoccurring thing here about this holiness thing? Because without holiness, you have no distinction and you will forget. You will forget. Therefore, holiness is a reminder to humanity of God's righteousness, goodness, character, and his judgment. When you lose holiness, you will forget God and you will indulge in sin. The moment the children of Israel forgot God, they became unholy and began to worship idols and images and to indulge in sin. Psalm 30 verse 4, I really want you to see this verse. Psalm 30 verse 4 says, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Three things here. We have the giving of thanks. We have the remembrance. And then we have the holiness. That the Bible says when you think about God, when you recall and and bring to your recollection that God alone is holy, it ought to make you give thanks. Why? Because as disgusting and as despicable and as depraved and nasty and filthy and wicked and full of iniquity as we are, that God has the stomach to deal with us ought to make you give God some praise. The problem with the church is that we have forgotten the God that we serve. Do you understand how holy God is? The Bible says that it's a humbling experience for God to look at the angels because they're so far beneath him. Do you understand how holy God is? That to look on the frame of God to see an inch of his person would result in you exploding or dying because he is so holy. That the angels have to cover themselves because they cannot withstand the righteousness, the fervency of the glory of God himself. Do you not comprehend how holy and amazing, how majestic, how excellent, how great is our God? The heavens of heavens cannot contain him. But yet, the Bible says in Isaiah 66, 1, that the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. That even in the heavens in creation itself, God set it up to remind us of how great he is. That every time that you hear the waves crash upon the shore, every time you hear a wind rustle through the, through the trees, every time you see a sunset, you are seeing the glory of God. To remind you, to point you back to a holy God. I want to break this down here just a minute. Now, here's the thing, guys. I want you to really focus on this. Notice that we should give thanks at the recollection, at the remembrance of God's wholeness. When you remember God's wholeness, this response comes. The Hebrew word there for thanks is yada. It's yada or yada. Now, I want you now to turn to to Psalms 32 verse 5. Psalm 32 verse 5. Look at this. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will yada, confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and I of my sin. The thing is yada, it means praise, it means thanks, but it also means to confess. Whenever we remember that God is holy, it ought to make you confess your sins and your transgressions to him. 
have, have you ever, like, you've done something wrong and your mama kind of, you know, caught you? And you're trying to make this excuse, like, okay, mama, I did not sorry. I didn't mean to do it to me. Ah, don't be ah. Right? Never had that experience? I mean, I... <laughs> didn't happen often. When you know you're guilty and you come in the presence of someone who's greater who has the power to judge you. The Bible says that when holiness comes, when you remember that God is holy, it causes you to repent. It causes you to confess your sins. The reason why the church is full of sin is because there's no holiness. People have forgotten that God is holy, so they live in sin and there's no confession. When we remember, recognize the full magnitude of God's holiness, we also recognize the immense depravity of our sinful state. And this memory and acknowledgement causes us to confess our sins. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Now Isaiah seen this vision of the glory, the Shekinah glory of God. He is hearing the angel cry, holy, 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 the Lord God, the whole earth is full of his glory. Now look what it says here in verse 5 when he sees the holiness of God. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We stay in our sin because we do not realize how holy God is. When you encounter the holiness of God, it ought to make you lay prostrate straight on the floor. It ought to make you take your shoes off because the ground you're standing on is holy. But we come with our arrogance. We just come to the house of God. Oh, I'm just going to church. I'm going to church, whatever. To come to the tabernacle, the temple of God was not a light thing. You came with a sacrifice and you could only go so far, only the outer court unless you were a priest. And the fact the high priest only went to where God dwelled, where the Ark of the Covenant was once a year because it was so unique. He is so holy. That's why we don't see revival in the church. Yeah, the church is growing in number. It's not growing in quality. I I, I can tell because we're, we're, we're unholy. There's no distinction between us and the world. I'll come back to that one a little bit later. Here's the thing, folks. You can't solve a problem until you realize that you have one. The holiness of God shows us our sin, and by reminding us of his righteousness, it directs us to repentance. This is why we must always remember that God is holy, and we are to be holy even as he is holy. As you're going through your day, as you're at your job, as you're driving down your car, this thought ought to register in your brain that God is holy. When you're being tempted with sin, you ought to remember the Lord is holy. When something, when a commercial comes on you shouldn't be watching, you ought to remember God is holy. Holy. Now, here's the real question I want to address. And like I said, bear with me. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Why do we forget? Why is it that we forget? You know, you see somebody and you're trying to remember the name. It's on the tip of your tongue. You can't quite get it. You recognize their face. You're like, hey, you. <laughs> Praise the Lord, brother. And you're waiting for someone to tell you what their name is? Or how about this? This is the most annoying thing ever, right? You're upstairs, you need to get some from the basement. You go all the way downstairs, and as soon as you get there, you forgot why you got there. Why did I come here? What, what am I doing here? Oh, well. Then you go all the way back upstairs. As soon as you cross the threshold of your bedroom, oh, that's why. And then you just repeat the process like two or three times. Why is that? Why did I forget so? I can't remember where I put my keys. I can't find my glasses and around my forehead. <laughs> Why do I forget stuff? Is it, um, you know, am I going senile? Is it, is it Alzheimer's? Is it, what, what's going on? Is there some sort of, something wrong with my brain? Now I'm going to tell you something that's kind of shocking. But did you know 
that your brain is designed to forget things, you're actually supposed to forget stuff. Now you're like, well, that's frustrating. I want to remember where I put my keys. I'm trying to remember what my password was to my computer or my phone. What's that? How do I get it? You ever done that? Locked yourself out. You can't remember. What's it? What's it? What's my pin to my debit card? Need some money now. Darn it. All these little things that we forget. Why is it that we forget stuff? You know, computers, you can put something on a computer and it's there. It's saved, right? And our brains are supposed to be more advanced than the computer out there. But how come the computer can remember? But I can't remember what, you know, I can't remember my children's names sometimes. Am I the only one that's done that? I got five, okay, so I got a lot to remember. And it's not, and hey, my mama did it too. For years, she called me Michelle. Anyway, I digress. The brain is designed to forget information. I'm going to tell you why it's designed to forget information. Neuroscientists have discovered that the brain is supposed to forget information to prevent itself from being overloaded with useless data. Its default position is to get rid of anything it receives unless it is recognized as being important. Therefore, forgetting is a filter that removes unimportant or unnecessary information. If we didn't forget some things, we wouldn't remember anything. Due to the difficulty of having to sift through so much data to find one memory. For example, look at your computer, your phone. Have you ever, like, put too much stuff on your phone, took too many pictures and videos, and all of a sudden it's just memory full, and then your phone locks up and you can't do anything? You can't, you can't make a phone call. You can't send a text or check your email. You can't do anything. Why? Because there's no, no space, no memory to process anything. So, like, my phone, I've got thousands of text messages. I have it set to automatically delete stuff, right? So my phone doesn't get too full up. Because if it gets too full up, I have, if it remembers everything I've done, I can't, I can't recall anything. I can't, I can't find any information. It slows things down. So your brain is designed to filter out useless information. Think of all the information your brain has just recorded in just the last five minutes. Your brain is recording the feel of the pew on your, on your, on your bottom. Your, your, your brain is, is recording the feel of your clothes, the position, of the, the position of me in the room, the sound of my voice. Think of all the bits of data your, your, your memory is having, your brain is trying to process. And if it retained all of that, your brain would just, ah, 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 you just seize up. It can't take all that. So it's designed to forget stuff that is useless. Why should I keep useless information around that I don't need? So it's designed to forget stuff. This is why holiness is important because its uniqueness causes us not to forget. Because your brain will only consciously remember something if it's important or if it's unique or it stands out from all just the regular uh, process of information. Now here's where it gets tricky because Satan understands this as well. So to keep us in bondage, he must remove the significance or unique attributes of God from our culture so that the information seems the same as everything else. So what Satan does is he tries to make everything that God has given to remind us of himself seem ordinary or not distinct, indistinct. So it's the same of everything else. And since it's no longer significant, our brain automatically forgets it. Now, how does Satan do this? Now, what I described to you earlier, when you walk into a room and you forgot why you walked in there, I hate that. It's called transient forgetting. When information or memory becomes inaccessible temporarily of time, but becomes accessible later. Neuroscientists did this amazing experiment. I want to read you this article. In an experiment with fruit flies, scientists discovered the mechanism that causes us to forget. The team put their flies through a series of training exercises, teaching them to associate an odor with an unpleasant foot shock. They then watched as several interfering stimuli, such as blue light or a puff of air, distracted the flies so they forgot the odor's negative association temporarily. Interestingly, interestingly, stronger stimulation led to stronger lasting periods of forgetting. So they trained, hey, when you smell this, that means pain is coming, right? They made that association. The flies learned that whenever they put this odor in, I'm about to get electrocuted. It's kind of an important detail. So the thing is, though, they noticed that when they provided some other stimuli during this older come and tell him, hey, pain is coming, they completely forgot about it. Now, I've experienced this myself. This week, I went to the dentist. I'm, at, I'm on the, in the dentist chair, and this woman is taking an iron hook and is just scraping it all along my gum line. And you can just hear all the, you know, the, ah, start seizing up just thinking about it. But you know what she did? She got a monitor, and she put on some Netflix. I completely forgot about it. 
She's just like scraping away and stabbing. I'm seeing blood come out and things. I'm just like, but I've completely forgot about it. Why? Because there was some other simulation that was there that was blocking my ability to remember. Now, here's what's interesting here, folks. This temporary loss of memory was accompanied by the release of dopamine from a particular set of cells onto the cells that hold memory. So in other words, dopamine was released, and these, this dopamine chemical that's in the brain, it was put on the cells that hold memory so that the flies can no longer remember or even really notice the pain. What is dopamine? Dopamine is a chemical that your brain creates where pleasure comes from. It controls your motivation. It controls your attention. It controls your sleep and your ability to learn. So they noticed that whenever they put this dopamine on this part of the brain, this, there was at least this dopamine, the flies forgot I'm about to get electrocuted. Even though I'm being warned, the smell's telling me, hey, I'm about to get electrocuted. I don't care. Ah! <laughs> dopamine is a type of neurotransmitter that is used by the nervous system to send messages to cells, especially when it comes to pleasure, desire, and motivation. So now, for Satan to get us to forget God's holiness and remove the separation between good and evil, he sent the world system to do three things so that we would not remember that God is holy and we'll do whatever sinful thing comes in our heads. Number one, he's going to overwhelm us with information that would interfere with our reasoning so that we can't distinguish the difference between what is useless and what is important. We live in an age we are bombarded with information. I mean, you can Google anything and find out how tall Arnold Schwarzenegger was. Or what shoe size Shaq has. You can get all this information. You are constantly being bombarded. You turn on your phone. You go on social media. Go on the television. You are constantly being bombarded with information that is completely useless. That does not benefit you. And we do it all the time. We come home from a long day at work. We sit in the couch trying to get the phone out. Okay. YouTube. Oh, crazy cat video. That's interesting. Well, that guy's on fire. See that? Wow. I didn't know I could clean a toilet using Coca-Cola. Two hours have passed. What? Where am I? Why is it dark outside? Useless information. And I'm saying it because I've done it. We are bombarded with useless information. It's called interference. So that you can't hear the actual good information that's important. Even now, as I'm preaching, some of you, your mind is just going off somewhere else. You just tilt your head and just let the images flow. You're thinking about what you had last night about the show that you watched yesterday, and just all of a sudden, you're just, you're just la 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 la. Useless information. And so because it's useless, you have all this extra stuff, the stuff that's important, you can't really remember because you're distracted. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Oh, this looks interesting. Why? Why am I going? Because it gives me dopamine. It gives me a pleasure high. Now look what he goes on to say, Paul says. For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away of diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the truth. You're learning how to be blessed and how God's going to give me my next whatever, but you don't know how to live holy and you don't know how to make it to heaven. That's useless information. What profits a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I don't care. I can get a new Escalade. I need to get to heaven. Useless information. You're bombarded with So Satan is pointing out. He's just filling the airwaves. He's called the prince of the power of the air. He's filling the airwaves with interference and static so you cannot remember. Oh, yeah, God's holy. I probably shouldn't be watching that. I probably shouldn't be doing that or thinking about that or acting on that. Because all you've got is static in the last cat video you watched. The last stupid thing that you want. So we're ever learning. We're getting tons of information, but we're never arriving at the truth because we can never remember who the truth is, which is Jesus Christ. Number two, the second thing that Satan does to get us to forget that God is holy is that he gives us things that release dopamine or pleasure to override our memories of God's holiness. This is why the Bible commands us to stay away from the world. Whenever you're feeling pleasure, you're not thinking deeply. You're not thinking of intellectually and thinking of great, you know, you're not trying to plan your life when you're experiencing pleasure. 
We have whole parks that are designed for this. They're called amusement parks. The word muse means to think. When you put an A before the word, it means the opposite. So when if you, muse means to think, if you're amused, that means you're not thinking. No one's on a roller coaster thinking about, you know, what does E equal MC square mean? No one's doing that. So God, I'm sorry, God, but Satan has designed the world to make you forget with entertainment and things that stimulate, things that please you, but don't really help you in being holy. And you lose your distinction. Look at this now. Deuteronomy 4 verse 23. Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he had made made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. Every time we forget that God is holy, we also turn to images, just like the Israelites did. As soon as they forgot that God was holy, they immediately started seeking out images, images, things that give me dopamine, things that look attractive, things that authenticate who I am, and things that affirm my lifestyles. And we do the exact same thing. As soon as we forget that God is holy, we start looking for images. Images from smartphones, images from tablets, flat screen TVs, theater screens, social media, streaming services, images that affirm, images that please, images that intoxicate us so that we will not remember the wholeness of God. That's why people go to the bar to get drunk after a hard days because they don't remember what they were dealing with. That's why people are overdosing on fentanyl because they don't want to remember. The whole system has been designed to get you to forget that God is holy. And that's why the Bible says in 1 John 2.15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is of the world. It's not of the Father. That's why your grandpappy said, boy, you better get off that television. Boy, you better put that phone down. Boy, you better get into some fasting and prayer. Cut off the dopamine because it's going to get you stuck on stupid. Turn YouTube off. Turn Instagram off. Turn Facebook off. Turn Twitter off. Turn it all off because it's designed to make you forget the holiness and the righteousness of God. So you can remember the lyrics to a filthy R&B song, but you don't know a single scripture. I'll let that one sit for a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Good answer. Good answer. Like it's family feud or something. You can remember the stats of LeBron James and how many dunks he had, but you can't remember a single verse. I'm telling the lyrics to the latest R&B song is not going to get you into heaven. That's why David said, he said in Psalm 119, verse 9, Wherewithal shall man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid, have I treasured in mine heart that I what? Might not sin against thee. Everything, everything you see is to remind you or to say, get you to forget that God exists, that God is real, that God is holy. And get you distracted so that you forget to pray. You forgot to read your Bible. You forgot to tell someone about Jesus. You forgot to fast. You forgot to come to church. Or you overslept. You forgot to pay your tithes. You forgot. And all this other stuff because you've got all this stuff that's in your head that you're seeking after. You're seeking after pleasure more than you're seeking after God. I got to hurry this up. Okay. Number three. The third thing that the devil does. To prevent us from remembering the holiness of God. And this is the tricky one. This is the one that really burns me up. Is that he changes the associations of God's reminders so that instead of pointing us to his holiness, they point to something evil or something that has nothing to do with God at all. Now, during the reign of Hezekiah, the children of Israel began to fall into idolatry. And they fell into idolatry over something that God actually set up and gave. So in Exodus, the Bible says that the children of Israel, they fell into idolatry and they were being bitten by snakes. And so God told Moses to make a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And anyone who looks at the serpent, looks at this, this pole, will live and be healed. 
Second Kings chapter 18, verse 4, talk about Hezekiah. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For under those days, the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. Now, this brown serpent was something that God had created, that God had set up. And it was used to heal people of diseases during the Exodus. But people began to associate it with another God, began to burn incense to it and worship it. So now instead of when they looked at this serpent, this statue, instead of remembering what God did in the Exodus, they thought of another God. So what Satan does is he'll take some that God has set up to remind you about his holiness and change the association so that you associate it with something evil. What do you mean, Brother Chris? Well, let me give you an example. Uh, The rainbow. Um, God created the rainbow as a sign of his grace. Remember, I will never destroy the earth again. But instead, now Satan has made it a symbol of the very thing that caused the flood to, to happen in the first place. So now you can't, we can't put a rainbow in our church. Why? Because people are going to start thinking, that, oh, yeah, you were them, right? You wanted them. He has changed the association. So the rainbow, every time we're supposed to see a rainbow, we're supposed to remember God's grace. But now we see a rainbow, we think of filth. We think of a sinful lifestyle. Here's another example. The preacher, the pastor. It used to be when you thought of a preacher or a pastor, you thought of someone who was holy. The clergy had integrity, had reputation. But now whenever people hear preacher or pastor, they think, oh, he greedy. He's just after my money trying to get my tithes. Oh, he's just another adulterer. Or maybe it's like the Catholic priest. He's a pedophile. That's what people now associate a holy man of God with now these days. The word Christian now. The word Christian is supposed to mean a follower of Christ. But when people in the world hear the word Christian, they think, oh, you're just a bunch of hypocrites. Or you're a bigot. Or maybe you're a right-wing conservative Republican. You're part of a political party. That's what all Christians are. You're all, you're all political about something. That has, being a Christian has nothing to do with politics. Jesus said, if this, if this world was my kingdom, my servants would fight for it. My kingdom is not of this world. Oh, now see, we don't want to hear that. Let's make America great again, folks. No, 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 no. See how Satan has switched things up? The church now. When people think of a church, instead of thinking of a place of grace, a place where they can find salvation, it's a place of judgment. I don't come to church. Y'all just going to judge me and blah, 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 and point fingers at me. See how he's changed the association. Things that were set up to remind us of God's holiness have now been perverted, have now been corrupted to make us think the opposite of what God wants us to have. I want to get to my main text here. Hope y'all get something out of this. So, just as God gave Israel forget-me-nots or reminders that he was holy, he did the same thing with the church. He gave us three things. To help us remember because we are so forgetful. Humanity is so forgetful when it comes to the things of God. He gave us three things to remember him. Two of these were ordinances while the third was something special. I'll just put it that way. The first was baptism. That whenever we see someone baptized, we're being reminded of the burial of Jesus Christ and that our old man has been crucified and is dead with him and that our sins are forgiven and they are washed away. The second one that he gave us, another ordinance in the church to help us to remember him, was communion. And just like the nation of Israel, the Corinthian church began to forget that God was holy and getting entangled with sin and idolatry. And so Paul in his epistle is setting the record straight. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians 11 verse 20. I'm going somewhere with this. We're almost done. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 20. Now, let me give you some context here. The Corinthian church was a nasty church. I'll just be out. They were just straight up nasty, just doing nasty stuff. Paul said, you guys are doing stuff that even unsaved people don't think of. That's what he said. He said, you're carnal. You are messed up. And because of this, they had lost their holiness. First and 11, verse 20. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. Now, they were getting drunk at communion. 
Like, you know, that party was lit for real. If you come into communion, <laughs> you're getting drunk, something ain't right there, all right? Something's not right there. They all came together. They got the collard greens and some fried chicken. <laughs> we about to have communion today, bro. Give me that Bud Light. Oh, maybe we shouldn't get the Bud Light. Um, get, get, give me a... Get me the what? Get the come on, let's get the party started. They just started having a party. And this is supposed to be something that is supposed to be sacred. And they were getting together. And they said, Look, you guys are coming together. And a lot of the first ones, the first ones who get to eat all the foods, so no one else has anything to eat. And then you're getting drunk. So Paul was very upset about this. Now they were feasting and hogging the food that they brought while others were going hungry. Bible scholars believe that they did this because they connected communion with a common feast or that they regarded it as a mere common festival to be observed in a way similar to festivals among the Greeks. Many have supposed that this was done by making the observance of the supper follow a festival or what was afterward called love feasts. The Greeks used to have love feasts where they used to get down and get with it, have themselves a party. And so the Corinthian church, which is a Gentile church, was from a Greek culture. Whenever they thought of getting together, we're about to have a love feast. We're about to have some love feasts. So they just came together and started just partying and getting drunk. Do you see that? They associated something holy with something unholy. And what was holy became unholy. You cannot mix the sacred with the secular. We hear arguments from politicians about we need separation of church and state. Well, we need a separation from the church from the world is what we need. We don't want worldly things coming into the church and making us unholy, forgetting who we are. First Corinthians 11 verse 22. What have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you. You guys think, oh, good job. I'm doing a great job having a party at communion. So you guys think you're doing so good. You think you're so righteous because why? You have forgotten. You have forgotten how holy the God is that you serve. Communion had become a common secular festival with eating and drinking. Now here's the thing. Though communion means to be common, to have things in common. Communion is to be common in its experience as it is shared among its, unbel- uh, its, um, its believers. But not in its value as it represents the most unique person in the universe. They took a sacred ceremony and made it worthless. They made it common. It is supposed to be common that we're supposed to be sharing in the love and the blood of Jesus Christ. But they made, they, by doing that, they also made it val- uh, invaluable worthless. So here's the thing, First 11, verse 23. For I received the Lord, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. I set up this ceremony so that you could remember that I am God, so that you could remember what I did for you. Another symbol that the devil has hijacked is the symbol of the cross, that when you looked at the cross, it was supposed to remind you of the redemptive work that Jesus finished for our salvation. But instead, we see crosses being rocked by, by rappers and by rock artists as it's a piece of jewelry and it's something that looks cool when the old rugged cross says that it was the emblem of sin and shame that is supposed to remind us of our low estate. That Jesus is asking you today, do you remember? Do you remember me? Do you remember what I did for you? Do you remember how I suffered for you? Do you remember how I shed my blood for you? How my body was broken for you? Do you remember? Do you remember what I purchased for you. Do you remember what I did for you? Do you remember that I'm holy, that I'm righteous, that I'm coming to judge the quick and the dead, that I'm coming again for a church that is spotless, that is blameless, that is without blemish, without wrinkle? Do you remember that one day the eastern sky is going to break and I'm going to come and call up those that are dead in Christ with me? Do you remember? Do you remember? 
that you are a Christian. Do you remember that you were bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your bodies. Do you remember that you're to abstain from lust, to flee youthful lust and the filthiness of the world? Do you remember that you're supposed to crucify the flesh every day so that you can glorify God in your body? Do you remember to seek God first with all of your heart? For David said that one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. If you can't remember, then you better get some forget-me-nots. Write his word on the post. Write his word on the gates. Wake up in the morning singing about Jesus. Go to bed singing his praises. Go to bed thinking about the goodness of Jesus. For I give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. God is asking you, do you remember who you are? Do you remember? Do you remember how to pray? Do you remember how to rehearse my word? Proverbs 4 verse 20 says, My son, attend to my words. Incline the ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For their life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Psalms 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the seat of, 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 the, of the scornful, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate... Woo! Doth he meditate day and night? And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The reason why you're not prospering, the reason why you're not succeeding is because you have forgotten the God that redeemed you. You forgot where your power comes from. My help does not come from the world. My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. God is my source, my refuge, my strength, my present help in the time of trouble. Don't let trouble give you amnesia and make you forget where God brought you from. Some of you need to remember. Oh, my goodness. You're just like those who go through the door and forget why you got there. God brings you to a new level of blessing. You forgot, oh, where God brought you from. Why am I here? And that's why God said, I want you to restore your first love. Go back and do the works of the first. Strengthen what remains. Repent because I will. I come quickly and I come to take your candlestick from where it stands. The church needs to get holy again. I cannot, I cannot emphasize this enough that we need holiness. We need to remember that God is holy. Hebrews 12, 14 says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. You are not going to see Jesus unless you live holy. Unless you forsake your sin, put away the dopamine and go to Jesus. Let's stand. I'm going to quit. Do you remember? Do you remember where God brought you from? Oh, my goodness. Do, do we remember? How does that song go? When I think of the Lord, how he saved me and how he... Oh, when, when I think, when I remember his holiness, it causes me to give thanks and it causes me to confess. There's one more thing that God gave us to remember that he's holy. John 14, 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Because baptism by itself was not enough. A communion ceremony is not enough. You need the Holy Ghost to make you holy and to remind you who Jesus is. That Jesus is a rock in a weary land. That, that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. That he is without beginning and end, but yet he is the beginning and ending of all things. That he is the first and the last. The Holy Ghost will guide you into all truth. Do you remember? Jesus is like, do you remember me? Do you remember how I called you from birth? Do you remember when I convicted you when you were doing that thing you shouldn't have been doing? Do, do you remember? Here's the thing, folks. If you don't remember, on Judgment Day, God's not going to remember you either. What does that verse say? Matthew 7, 21. 
Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. He that doeth the will of my Father shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And many shall say unto me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied thy name? Devils, and in thy name have we not done many wonderful works? And I profess them that I never, never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I, I don't know who you are. I don't, I don't know who you are. But Lord, I, I, I come to church every, every day for 30 years. I'm on the deacon board. I don't know who you are. You're not getting in here. I don't see any holiness in you. What about you is unique and, and distinct that's like me? Let that, let that sit for a minute. Whenever communion was taken, the Bible says, Paul said, you need to examine yourself. You need to examine yourself. Because the problem is we think we're good. But I want you to really think hard about this. If Jesus was to come back right now, would you cross the threshold of heaven? Think, think that through. Examine. Examine yourself. Because if you don't, if you don't remember, God's not going to remember you either. I know this is a hard message. But this is what the, the Lord has been chastening me with this. Because, because he's shown me areas in my life where I forgot about him. And I had to do some serious repenting and some serious examining of my heart. And now from this point forward, like I said, this is my theme for the year, for the rest of my life. I'm after holiness. I want to be holy. I want that more than anything else. I want to be holy. God, if there's anything in me that doesn't belong, God, tear it out of me. Get this, do surgery on me. Whip it out of my heart. Cleanse me. Get it out. I don't want it. Jesus said, if your eye offend you, pluck it out. For it's better to go into, into heaven with only one eye than to go into hell with two eyes. Do you understand how serious this is? Examine yourself. God is chasing the church because he's trying to get them ready for his return. I want to be holy. I want to be holy. The Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 5, I believe it's verse 4, where it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You're not going to see God unless you have the pure heart. I'm trying to quit, but I'm reaching for somebody. somebody we got to get holy. You understand? Do you remember that God is holy? Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded upon the seas and established upon the flood. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Do you understand? If I'm not right, if my heart is not right, I'm not going to see Jesus. These altars are open. I want you to come to this altar. If you come to this altar, come sincerely, genuinely, examining yourself and say, God, if there's anything in me that is unlike you, if there's anything in me that is offensive, if there's anything in me that I'm looking for a dopamine hit to forget you, to forget my troubles, Father, show it to me so that I can get rid of it. I'm not missing heaven for anything or anybody. I want to be holy. Oh, I want to be holy. It's at the remembrance of his holiness that I praise him. It's at the remembrance of his holiness that I give him thanks, that I confess and acknowledge my sin. I invite the whole church to repent. Jesus, to repent. God, I want to be holy. Have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy multitude, thy tender mercies, but in all my transgressions. God, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. That's what the Word says. Create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me. Cast me away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. 
Who shall understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let not iniquity have dominion over me. Then I shall be clean and upright from the, from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in my sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. That's what the word says. Woo. I feel the Holy Ghost in here, y'all. Jesus. I'm going to ask y'all to do me a favor. Take your shoes off. Because the ground you're standing on is holy ground. Woo. holy bring us back to holiness God bring us back to holiness bring us back to separation from the world back to hatred of evil bring us back to the cross at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light where my birth rolled away it was there at my faith I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day Near the cross, near the cross, be my glory ever. Till I cross the, that, that stream and go across the river. Oh, Jesus. I'm calling you to repentance. The Holy Ghost is shouting from heaven. Will you remember me? Will you remember me? Will you be remember me? You need to be like the thief on the cross and say, Lord, when you enter your kingdom, Please remember me. Jesus. Woo, Jesus. Repentance is not something I can do for you. I can't lay hands and make you repent. This is something you've got to do. You've got to make a choice. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not, forget not his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy...